We are continuing our series, actually kind of beginning it. Last, year, last week was just an introduction. So this week we're going to talk about prayer in the Treasure of the Transformed Life series. And Adam Clark had this to say about prayer. He said, prayer requires more of the heart than of the tongue. And I love that because prayer does require so much more. It's a deeper uh, deeper thing than just something that we do out of our head. It, it drills down deep and takes us to deeper soil. And prayer is actually, we talked about living water last week. Prayer is water for our soul. When we spend time in prayer, we're spending time with God, and it waters our soul. And water is the difference between life and death. I don't know if you thought about that, but, but it makes all, in the history of civilization, when settlements happened, they went and looked for water so that they could settle nearby because they knew that they needed, if they didn't have water, then they wouldn't live. They wouldn't be able to survive. So they looked for, for places with lush vegetation and great plants and trees and stuff because they knew that somewhere around that was water because there was life close. And that's where settlements would happen. Water is essential for every living thing. The places where you find lush plants, fruitful trees, are the places where water has been or water continues to flow. So let me ask you this this morning. Is there an area of your life that's dry and desert-like at the moment? Where's the water? The water. Where's the water? When was the last time that you actively sought the oasis of God's presence? The oasis is the places in the desert where there is life and there is vegetation, there is water. When was the last time you watered your spirit with prayer? Spent time, real time, intentional time with God. Now it's an interesting thing that when we lose God, it's not God who's lost. Amen? And that's not that we don't go through, all go through dry seasons, because that's another amen. We all go through dry seasons. That's just part of the journey. It's part of the ebb and flow of our Christian walk. Sometimes we're living in a garden and it's beautiful and it's lush and we're feeling great and we've got this connection to God and it's wonderful. And other times it's like, okay God, what's up? Where are you? I have no sense of you. Both places God is with us. Both places. And it's a natural part of our journey. And God gives us a promise. And he gave it to the Israelites and it applies to us just as much today. He did it through the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 44, 3, he said, For I will give you abundant water to quench your thirst and to moisten your parched fields. And I will pour my spirit and my blessings on your children. He offers us water. Prayer is the water for our soul. Prayer is the water for our soul. Prayer is important to our connection with God. This morning we're going to look at what it is, what it's not, kind of how we do it, why we do it, and what happens when you do it. Now that's a lot to look at, so obviously there's more to prayer than what we're going to cover in the next hour and a half here this morning. But as we're talking about prayer, you know, just kind of keep this image in, in your head, or, or hopefully it'll bounce in and out of your mind as we go through this morning. Think about, imagine a tree with full branches and overflowing fruit. Do you see it? See it in your mind? A tree with full branches. I don't care what kind of 
tree did. The tree was full branch. It's your tree, not my tree. My tree had a different fruit than your tree. But your tree has, has a full branches, overflowing with fruit. It's planted right by the river with a con with constant access to living water. Maybe you hear the river flow. Maybe you're sitting on a rock next to it. And you're just there next to that living water. So I hope that image comes to you throughout this morning. King David, who, was, who had a lot to say about prayer, he tells us there are two kinds of people in the world. There are the blessed and there are the wicked. And they are able to be discerned. The ones who are blessed, the ones who delight in the Lord, are like trees planted along the river land. Right. Can you see your tree? Those who are blessed are like trees planted along the river bank, bearing fruit each season without fail. Their leaves never wither, and in all they do, they prosper. All they do, they prosper. There's a word in there that I want to grab hold of. It's the word planted. When you submit your life to Jesus, your life becomes planted in grace. Planted in forgiveness, planted in love, planted in repentance, planted. Being planted any other way is being planted in unstable soil. And that brings me to the passage, and there's a lot of scripture this morning, but this is the primary passage for this morning. It's out of Matthew chapter 13, verse 1. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. And the birds came, and they ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil. Now those it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no roots. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. But still others fell on good soil and produced a crop a hundred. 60 and 30 fold of that, book, that which was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. This is a passage for this morning. The way we connect to God and soak up that living water that sustains us in our life and in our journey is through prayer. It's through prayer, through spending time. What God expects of our lives is that we're willing to be lined up to what He wants for us. He expects us to be willing to do that, to be willing to study, to be willing to pray. He'll provide the water, the streams of water in direction and encouragement. He'll bring random people into your life and intentional people into your life to help you on your journey, who will encourage you, who will hold you accountable, who will show you discipline, but show you love as well, show you all these things. He'll provide that. And if we're firmly planted, if we're willing to be firmly planted, then we'll grow to the people, the men and women of God that he wants us to. I grew up in California, and one of my favorite places in the world is Yosemite. Those of you who are on Facebook, I love practice. I'm going to back there, so I've visited some pictures. And that's why those pictures are my new pictures on Facebook. The Sequoia National Forest is right next to Yosemite, and there are some trees there that grow to be just really big. Almost 300 feet tall, big. You know, 272 foot high. Trees that are that would dwarf that would be in the sanctuary and dwarf it, you know. 
You know, there's 45 houses. You can make 45 one-room houses out of one of those trees. They're big trees. They are big trees. Any of y'all have bonsai plants? Or I'm sure you've seen them, right? They, they're those massively huge 18-inch tall decorative novelty kind of plants. The interesting fact is that the seed for the bonsai and the seed for the sequoia are about the same size. They start from a similar place. But they end up really, really different. One has really short roots, others have really deep roots that, that allow to grow. Which are you? Are you a decorative, decorative novelty use? Christian? Or are you one who has sank their roots down deep into the soil? How much are you willing to allow God's grace to come into your life to transform and change you? God's planted you in good soil. He's planted you in good soil. The soil that he prepares is the best soil that there is. But we have something to do with how deep our roots grow. We make choices of prayer or study or our friendships or all of those things when we talk about our marks of discipleship. The way that we serve or don't, the folks that we hang out with, the relationships that we build or we don't build, the worship that we participate in or we don't. We make decisions about all of those things in our life. And that's, that's either sinking our roots deep or not. God loves you. He wants you to sink your roots deep, but he's not going to force you to do that. That's a choice that you will make and I will make. I hope you go deep. If you reach deep, you'll produce fruit. And that's how we're known by the fruit of the Spirit. Luke chapter 6. This is Jesus talking. He said, a good tree can't produce bad fruit. That's good news. A good tree can't produce... Say that with me. A good tree can't produce bad fruit. Amen. Hallelujah. Isn't that great? You're a good tree. Bad tree can't produce good fruit. We're planted in, in good soil by, by God. Jesus also said this. He said the tree is identified by the kind of fruit it produces. The secret to bringing forth good fruit is to stay connected to Him. He's the source of life. John 15, chapter 1, verse 1. I am the true vine. My Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Any gardeners in here? Why do you prune? So it will bear more. So it will bear more? Stronger. Stronger, healthier. So pruning is not a bad thing. How many of us like to be pruned in our life? Pruning involves, you know, you know we don't like to think, you know, I don't think the plants feel, but if they did, it would probably hurt when you put them step up. Just like pruning in our lives. Sometimes we've got to prune stuff. Or allow God to prune stuff. And that sometimes hurts. It hurts. But that's how we get healthy. That's how we bear more fruit. That's how, that's how we live this abundant life they promised us. Cuts out every branch that bears fruit. While every branch that bears fruit, you prune so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. Remain in me. 
No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Don't do this on your own. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now that's easy to misinterpret, but what happens when we align ourselves with God? What do we start asking for? Am I most concerned with my stuff, or am I wanting the things that he wants? When we align ourselves with God, our prayer life changes, because it's no longer just me praying for me, or for the people around me, or for the things that I want to see. I'm most concerned about, God, where is it that I can be of greatest use for you? Where is it that you want me to be? And when, we, when that transformation happens in our prayer life, our life changes. Our life changes. So we pray. So what is prayer? We talked about it a little bit ago because kids were dead on y'all, right? It's talking to God. No need to be formal or ostentatious or ritualistic. It's just taking a minute and spending that with God. Heard a story about a young man who went to a downtown city church every afternoon at 5 o'clock. He walked into that church and every afternoon at 5.45 he walked out of that church, which made the neighbors curious what he was doing. So one of them finally went up to him and said, okay, so why is it that you go into that church building at 5 o'clock? What is it that you do in there? And he told him, I pray. You pray? Well, how do you, how do, you do that? 45 minutes? Are you crazy? can't pray. Can you pray for 45? You can't possibly pray for 45. 45 minutes in a row? How do you do that? And he said, I walk into the church and kneel down at the altar. And I sit there for a minute. And then I say, Hi God, it's Joe. Before long, I hear him say, Hi Joe, it's God. Then I share my heart with him. And he shares his heart with me. And those are the best minutes of my day. Keep it simple, guys. Most of us have told someone in our life, well, I don't pray good. I don't pray well. Because we have this picture of what praying is. Of this, it's this flowery thing. I mean, I know folks who, when they pray, I know, wow, I wish I could do that. How you pray is okay. There's not a correct way to pray. Unless you're not praying. That's, if you're not praying, that's, that's a problem. There's not a wrong way to pray. Keep it simple. John Ed Matheson, who wrote the book that this series comes from, he said this. He said, a well-known saying is that prayer changes things. I don't think that's completely accurate. I'm not sure that prayer changes things. But I know that prayer changes people. And people change things. <coughs> Prayer certainly changed King David. Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. You ever play, pray that? Search me, God. 
I mean, do you really want to be searched by God? Do you really want to acknowledge that he sees all the stuff that we do and that we don't do? See, what David's saying is, I want you to test me. Put me to the test so that you can know my thoughts. Put me to the test. Asking God to search us is like going through the x-ray machine at the airport. There's not a lot of hidden. We don't get to hide. We're saying, God, I put myself in front of you. Know my thoughts, my motives, my heart. Point it out to me, Lord, the things that I need to be dealing with. And I'm going to listen to you. You show me what I need to know. So what is prayer? It's quite simply talking and listening with God. We say the Lord's Prayer pretty much every week around here. Have you ever considered that when we say, Thy kingdom come, that there means something else? It means my kingdom must go. If I want the, the Lord's, if I want thy kingdom, if I want God's kingdom to come into my heart, then I have to let my kingdom go. That's hard, because we all want what we want, right? Transformation comes, though, when we're letting our kingdom go. Prayer is not, prayer is not a strictly religious Activity. It's not something you do just for the sake of doing it. Matthew 6, 5, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. What they were doing was they were praying so that people could see them. They had elaborate prayers. They wanted to be noticed. That's not the deal. Don't be like them. At its best, prayer is like talking to a close friend. It's just sharing your heart with a close friend. You want to become more like Jesus? Then we ought to... Spend time with him in prayer and study. Allow him to pour into us and allow us to pour back into him. It's not just a, strictly a religious activity. It's a conversation with, with the closest to close friends, the one who knows us the best. It's also not magic. There are no magic words, no, no secret code, no way to get what I want to make something happen automatically. God's not up at our strength. He doesn't bend to our will. Think of it this way. Uh, it, most of us have kids, grandkids, you know, uh, friends. Uh, you know, that if, if they went into a, a candy store, what would they do? Candy everywhere. I want one of those, one of those, one of those, one of those, and I'll take three of those, and two of those, and one of those, and one of those, and two of those, and three of those, and four of those. And I want that, that, and that, right? Do you let it happen? No. Nah. Because you know that the result of that isn't printed. Sick <laughs> to your stomach, you know, uh, diabetes, rotten teeth. There's a lot that they don't know that we do, so we don't let them have just anything that they want. I think that's how God deals with us sometimes. Because I don't know about you, but I do have my moments when I want what I want when I want it, right? <laughs> God, give me this. I'll use it for you. I get mad, slow, have a fit, get depressed. But if we really want to follow him, then we have to trust that he knows better. God knows best. I know the Father knows best with the TV show a long time ago. But God really, really knows best. So Father, different Father, Father knows best. 
God does best. We can have a bad attitude about something, but God still understands. Victor Hugo said this, I, I love this. There are moments when whatever be the attitude of the body, the soul is on its knees. What that means to me is that whatever I'm carrying into the conversation, wherever I'm at, whatever negative stuff is going on with me, and, and I carry that bad attitude in, into prayer, my soul knows, and, and it knows that it knows that it knows that it knows that God knows that. So I whine, and, and God and I have a back and forth kind of thing going on, especially here lately, about prayer. Because I'll be talking to him, and, and I'll be like, okay, God, I trust you. And then I'll go, why aren't you doing this? And why aren't you doing that? Why aren't you doing this? And they go, oh, wait, no, that's right, I'm supposed to trust you. But really, why? that makes sense to me. Why aren't you doing it? You know, this is my, this is my prayer about this. So, yeah, you know, I want God to do what I want Him to do, and yet my soul trusts Him completely, and knows that He has me upon the thing. That there's nowhere that I go that He's not. And He'll see you through whatever it is that I'm going through in the moment. We can trust Him. Prayer's not magic. Prayer's not magic. Not magical, but it's not magic. But why? So why pray? Well, that one's probably the simplest of them all. God tells us to pray. Philippians 4, 6. <laughs> this is what I want you to do. Don't worry about anything. Yeah. Don't worry. What is that? Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. <laughs> Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Okay, guys. Don't we pray about what color shoes I wear with a black robe? <laughs> Pray about everything. God tells us to pray because He wants to have a relationship with us. He wants to be to be in a relationship. He wants that relationship to be as healthy as it can be. And in order for a relationship to be healthy, it must have communication at its core. It must have communication at its core. Jesus didn't tell us if you pray or if you should happen to have time to pray. If you read the scripture, He says, when you pray, pray like this. When you pray, it's an expectation. It's not. It's not. It's not a choice, really. If we're going to seek to follow Him and be within His will for us. I mean, seriously, I talked about it a little bit ago with, with, with the kids. But what would happen if you didn't talk to your spouse, your friends, your coworkers, your schoolmates for 30 days? What kind of relationship would you have? It wouldn't work out very well. It would not. It'd be okay for. Some of them would be okay for a little while. And then it would go south. People would get mad at each other. They'd wonder what was wrong, what's going on. And yet, how much time do we spend in prayer with God? How much time do I spend in conversation, listening and talking with God? God tells us, He wants us to, to reach out to Him. Prayer also allows us to experience God's grace, His love, His concern for us. Hebrews 4.16 is, is amazing in what it tells us. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Consider that. Let us come boldly to the throne of the one who created everything. You don't think he wants to be in a relationship with you, to be close with you? He invites you into his throne room. He says, come boldly. 
There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it. You matter to him. Too many of us don't think highly enough of ourselves when it comes to being a child of God. Here's a few to think a little too highly, but not very many. Most of us, if we got down to the core of it, we have a tendency to not think highly enough of ourselves when it comes to what it means to be a child of God. Malcolm Forbes put it this way. He said, too many people overvalue what they are not and undervalue what they are. I relate to that because I have a tendency to see the things that I don't do and not the things that I do. And I think that's common for us. And what that does when it comes to our Christian walk is that we are undervaluing our relationship with God. God treasures you. Treasures you. He's written your name on his hand. Isaiah 49, 16. When God looks at the palm of his hand, your name is so what happens when we pray? Lots of things happen. I love this story. There's a young preacher and he was at a seminar in the two o'clock afternoon morning and two o'clock afternoon. The uh, speaker didn't show up but he got delayed. So the bishop he ended up this young guy that ended up right next sitting right next to the bishop at the morning session and the bishop had just found out that the other guy wasn't getting ready here. He's returned in and said, Young man, here's the answer to prayer. You're going to preach that sermon at 2 o'clock this afternoon. And, and of course, the young pastor was like, What? Whoa, wait, I'm, I'm not ready. I'm prepared. Yeah, you know, the preacher, preacher to other preachers is not for you know, it's, it's not. Um, so he said, I can't do that. He said, Yeah, just trust God, pray about it, and take care So after that session, at lunchtime, he's up there, he runs up to the altar, he doesn't have to go, he's praying. Praying to God, and he looks down, and there's a manila folder down there. And he opens it up, and there's a sermon in there. Not just a sermon, it's a pretty nice sermon. So he takes that at lunch, and he studies it up, and he delivers that at 2 o'clock. He did a great job with it, and afterwards, the bishop comes running up to him and says, What, you know, man, what, what are you doing, man? I was supposed to deliver that sermon tonight. What am I going to do? <laughs> and of course, both the young pastors say, <laughs> Which is true, right? I mean, it's a funny story, but it's actually it's true. And God provides for us in ways that, that are, I mean, if we want to, we, work in, we might, might need to do this one day. Just have everybody put down a prayer and answer God. If God answered the prayer story and, and put those together, it would be awesome to, to hear and see all that God has been doing in and among us. Powerful. If we're willing to pray and trust God, He will provide. So how, how do you pray? John Ed Madison's dad, who was a preacher, taught him to say, he taught him to pray using the hand. I, I, I didn't know this until I read this in the book. But he starts with his thumb. He starts with his thumb because the thumb is the closest to him. So when, when he looked at his thumb, it reminded him to pray for those who are the closest to him, his family, his friends, those, those who, were, who matter the most. The index finger, he called it his pointing finger. And there he prayed for the people who helped point him to God, the, the preacher, the, the church, the, the grandmothers and grandfathers, whoever it was that was pointing, helping to point him to God. So the closest to you, pray for those who are close to you, the ones who are pointing you to God. 
this is the tallest, the biggest, so that reminded him to pray for the president and the, the people in high position, the, the governors, the, you know, all of the political folks, the local folks, folks who, who had position. And this is the, the, the weakest. The, the ring finger is the weakest of the fingers, so it reminded him to pray for those who were sick and those who were going through tough times, and to pray for them. And then the little finger reminded him to pray for himself, because if he was of all the prayers, that he was the, the least of all in that process. And it was the last. Too often we go into prayer praying for what I want. But if we start... Those clothes, those who point us to God, those in high position, those who are struggling and need prayer. And then pray for if you pray for yourself, but then you pray. So that's I read that and I thought, like, wow, I really love that. What a great way to remember half prayer. Simple. Simple. Lots of good things happen when we pray. Confession takes place. Confession is a purifying act. One of the reasons that we that we do the confessional prior to taking communion is, is to become is to confess that we do fall short, that we have sinned, that we're not perfect in our life, so that God can come. First John 1 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness when we confess. Every powerful movement Every revive, true revival in the church has been triggered by a confessional movement. It's when we recognize that we can't, he can, and I need to let go of, of my control. That's what triggers the, the great revivals over time. Prayer gives us perspective. In recovery, basically, there's a thing called the serenity prayer. You probably have heard that. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Now, for me, it, uh, I've added a couple of words to that. It's, it's God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. You. The courage to change the things I can. Me. And the wisdom to know the difference. In other words, where are, where are my boundaries? So that I can take care of the things I can take care of. And let, and let you live your life. Let you take care of the things you need to take care of. Gives me perspective. Helps me to understand where I end and where you begin. And let God deal with all that other stuff. Prayer brings about change in our hearts and brings about change in our lives. Very powerful. The prophet Joel wrote this. He said, your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. Prayer taps into a power beyond us and God can put a dream or a concept or a vision into us that can only be done through Him. It's impossible without Him. And he is the God of the impossible. Are you brave enough to ask God that he can do the impossible? God, will you do the impossible? Are you willing to let him open your mind to see the unthinkable, the things that we can't see, he can't? Are you willing to dream dreams and see visions? Are you willing to do that? God is a God to have a plan. You probably know where I'm going now. For I know the plans I have for you. Plans to give you a terrible life and mess you up forever. No? Plans to upset the apple cart and make sure that you're unhappy. No? That's not it. 
That's not what Jeremiah said. For I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and the future. That's God's plan. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you and will bring you back from captivity. Gosh, we get, we get trapped by so many things in life. I know this is written to a different group, but man, we are captive in our lives. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I banished you and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. God has a plan for you. There's a plan to give you a hope and a future to prosper you. But prayer is critical. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my faith, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Prayer is powerful. Prayer changes things. Prayer is, is an amazing, awesome thing. But mostly prayer changes us. Prayer is a critical part. Prayer and study is a critical part of our arts and discipleship, a critical part of our journey. So we're going to close this morning with a song, Sweet Hour of Prayer. So this is the hour part. We're just going to be here for the next hour. Singing this song all over and over Okay, so we're not going to do that. Here's my challenge to you this week. Carve out an hour. Don't care when. Morning, noon, night. Carve out an hour in a row. And spend it with God. Have a Bible with you. Here's your notes. An hour.